Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and all our PowerPoints are about <laughs> beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon poll winner of the month, A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, and uh, we never determined who's starting with a beer. I am. Dibs. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn you, Zoom delay. <laughs> this is... Time to Pretend by Beer Tree Brew, because the main character, the first chapter, the first short story, Sasha, she is a kleptomaniac and and when she's in the bathroom, steals another woman's wallet out of her purse, and then she has to go out and pretend she didn't just do that. So it's time to pretend she didn't just (laughs) steal that thing, and then later, at the end of the chapter, returns it and says, please don't tell anyone, but she's a kleptomaniac. Good. We're one thirteenth through the book already. Keep going, Nate. <laughs> Fuck it, dumb. And book. for my second beer, <laughs> no. Uh, this is a New England IPA, eight point seven percent, and it's very nice. Tastes like a New England IPA. They nailed it. Yeah. So our theme this month was lady writers, because while we may be bloviating boy men, according to one reviewer, we respect the ladies, and <laughs> we want to hear what they have to say. So we picked. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, so the Pulitzer, putting the her in Pulitzer. This is <laughs> this book one in 2011, I guess. Uh, and uh, and it's ten. It was published. I guess it won in 2011. It's not fucking. No one cares. The yeah. number. It's that's what time it is was. A, a, Entertainment Weekly. Two dimensional book spheroid. of the decade. Time is a goon, and it's fucking uh, not deserved. So this book is most famous for being that book with a chapter that's a powerpoint presentation that's what anybody award-winning book with a chapter that's a powerpoint presentation and then really the rest of that conversation with your book nerd friend is arguing why that should or should not disqualify it as a book anyone takes seriously no one ever talks about which i'm sure we will discuss it's not a very good powerpoint presentation no it had none of the i mean it's kind of hard to do it in book form like the cash register sound effects that your middle school teacher did when they taught you what supply and demand was on a PowerPoint or something. Uh, actually, I remember our, our high school uh, social studies teacher doing that. <laughs> he, he figured out how to add transitions to PowerPoint and it'd be like, the Holocaust, six million Jews were killed. It's like, ka-ching! He's like, oh no, that's not the right sound. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is, it, it's an experimental book, perhaps, because it's not really a novel and it's it's more like a short story collection that they're all interconnected. But the the author Jennifer Egan has been cagey about even classifying it as one thing or the other. But the, whatever it is, the work features a dozen or so, thirteen, a baker's dozen or so uh, <laughs> stories, you know, chapters that follow a bunch of interrelated characters through different times and places. It's like the a book version of an early Guy Ritchie movie. You just like all these characters connect in some way yeah, that you don't kinda, really figure yeah. out till later. And uh, I guess the main character is is Benny, or but also Lou is kind of a major character. You know, some characters matter more. Like the the opening character, the opening story is Sasha and Sasha. Benny seem to be the ones that are connected to either Sasha or Benny are connected to all the characters. And so they, so Sasha and Benny are they all? Everybody works or is related in some way to the music industry. Specifically, recording like punk bands, <laughs> like that. In the the Benny was a member at one point of the Flaming Dildos, yeah, which is 
a great band name, I guess. That has to be uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what Sounds you're hot. <laughs> we don't kink shame here. It's a stunt lesbian porn. <laughs> it's like Cirque du Soleil kind of stuff. I'm trying to think of what was the, the name of the lesbian stunt performer? Evil Vaginal or something. <laughs> Just uses flaming dildos. And uh, so I, I don't even know how to begin... I don't even know how to talk about this book. Like, where are we going to start? Okay, so if the book has any main characters, it's Sasha and Benny. So we'll just kind of... It, it is going to be very difficult to kind of explain because they each have their own short story and you're... And they, but they take place at different... It's a nonlinear time story. I mean, this written so that it's like there's one thing and then there's something 10 years before and then there's something 20 years later and then it like goes drowned. But it's, so, so it's a different character and a different time for literally all 13 stories and you're kind of putting it all together. But okay, the first character you meet is Sasha, who's I guess she's in her she's, she's, she's in her 30, 30s. She's 35. She's the assistant to Benny the music producer, but you don't really know that she's on a date. She's on a first date and she's a you she's discovered that she's a kleptomaniac and steals the woman's wallet and has to give it back and then she brings the guy to her apartment and he's like, "Whoa, a a tub in the kitchen because she lives in the Lower East Side, like total hipster. Um, I've seen an apartment once that had the shower in the kitchen. I guess that was a thing back when you know they converted tenements into hipster apartments. I don't really want to have two pipes going places. Yeah, I can only guess it had something to do with plumbing. At least there was no toilet in the kitchen. No, but so there would be a toilet in the bathroom. So you think they could put in? But there's probably no hot water. You don't have hot yet. toilet anyway. water, Nate. You don't have hot toilet water. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make my it's, dumps it's so, very swampy. <laughs> it's so luxurious. I can shit tea. <laughs> feel, feel the humidity on my ass. <laughs> it's like it's steaming. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a facial, but for your taint. <laughs> it's like when you have a cold and you like drape your head with like a towel over it over the hot tea. It helps you only it's your everything. rectum. <laughs> it's it softens everything up inside, so it brings everything to a head. It's like doing a neti pot for your asshole. <laughs> I think it's just an enema. I think it is. But a neti pot makes it seem fancier. <laughs> uh, okay, and so that's the first one. And then the second one, the second uh, chapter is about Benny, who, and this is him <laughs> when he's older. It's around the same time, though, as, a, it's as the, the first it's the story. Same, it's the same time, but he is in... He's in his mid-40s, and he is, you know, was slightly famous for discovering one band that became popular probably in the 90s, but now he's just like... Well, it's three sisters who make, like, poppy rock music, so he discovered Hanson, I think that's what it was. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the band he's working on now, but he got famous for discovering another one that they only mention in passing that you never meet. But at this point in his life, he's just eating gold to make his dick work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's though one of the chapter, uh, one of the chapters when he moves to what is essentially Westchester with his. So so he's you know from the L.A. area and is Hispanic or is is Mexican and and people are like Salazar. What kind of name is that? You know, at the country club where they get invited to. And he talks about how like oh the Aztecs like ate flakes of gold in order to, as a. Uh, virility cure and so he's been eating gold and his and he's like wow this is great and then uh, he like doesn't takes his son with him his like nine-year-old son with him and he's like here have some of this and he's like hey this is great can i try it 
and then they go and hear some band that is working on an album, and they're terrible. But there, like, there's, a, there's a whole other thing. There's like his label isn't he sold the label, but he still works there. And this band called Stop Slash Go, who you know they they've been putting up a hard, a big fucking pain in the ass to record their new album because people still cared about that in 2010 when this book came out, 2011. And so he goes to their house and they they perform their stuff, but he's like hung up on all of the shit that he's his like embarrassments in life. So he's writing this list throughout this whole chapter of the time he totally misread a cue from a nun and kissed her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and then, those nuns can be pretty shifty. And then the time he like took had to he had like a horrible shit while he was on a date or like when he was trying to impress a girl. So he has this list that he's written on a parking ticket or something and he shows it to Sa- Sasha sees it and he's and it's like kissing mother superior and then like hot deuce on a date or whatever the other things he wrote. <laughs> She's like, these are great song titles. <laughs> so this also gets to like kind of the theme of the book and what the title of the book means. Cause okay. Every but every short story is largely about people when they're older being like sad that their life hasn't turned out the way they wanted or sort of thinking back and like, essentially things being not so great for people when they get older, I guess you could say. And it's only one of the middle chapters, this old rock and roll dude who's basically old and fat now. He says, time is a goon. And what he means is, is that like time is like time is rough and like people like it sucks getting older. So that's kind of what he means. And that's really what the book is about. That's what the, a visit from the goon squad just means getting older. Did that strike a chord with you, Nate? <laughs> you know, a little bit, yes. <laughs> Getting older does suck, turns out. Um, and a lot of the stories are about that. And that's what it means. Oh, okay. So the third story, it goes back to the late 1970s. And now you get sort of Benny's origin story. When he was a teenager in high school and the band that he was in with his friends and he was like, Hey, this is awesome. And he's totally into punk. And they're like in high school with his friends, Scotty and Allison and Jocelyn and Rhea, Rhea, who tells this story. Rhea is the one who tells the story about Lou, who is the older producer dude. Predator. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is who's total you know, surfer looking dude, but fucking teenage girls and getting them hooked on cocaine. Who hasn't? And he has, and he's older and has six kids. So he's not doing enough cocaine because his penis is still working. So he's not the biggest deal producer yet. <laughs> he hasn't gotten to nose nasal reconstruction and my dick doesn't work cocaine use, but he does do yeah. a line of coke off a 15 year old girl's ass at some point. Or she's not exactly, I don't know if she's exactly 15, but that gets mentioned in passing. And the girl in that story, I know you want to get a beard there, but she keeps, as a, like, he fucks her too, right? Like, it's kind of glossed over. And the rest of the story, she's like, I did not have sex with him, did I? It's like, yeah. So. It's gross. They have a weird uh, No, thing, I don't think he fucks Rhea. But, but she's afraid because her friend Jocelyn is giving him a blowjob at the, at the, at the show while he's got his other arm around her, like, oh, around right, her right, yeah. shoulders. And yeah. she's like. Does that mean I did it? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's the transitive property, yeah. It's it's a two and a half some <laughs> blurring the line between participant and and you know, voyeur. 
participatory theater. Yeah, it's like a Gallagher show with cum. <laughs> <laughs> you get just as much stuff on you. Uh, it's 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 just it's like blow this man beer. group. <laughs> <laughs> just like this beer. The, I got it originally because of all the, the the music stuff, but also I guess it works here. Uh, this is called Draped in Jam. <laughs> oh no! This is Draped in Jam, and this is the. There's several variants of it. Apparently, this is the apricot preserves version. The what is it? Apricot preserves? Some kind of jam? No, there, there's all kinds of ones. This one is. Uh, peanut butter stuffed French toast. Oh no! Which is not jam, but uh, you could jam whatever. that into your mouth though, and then die. This is a French toast stuffed imperial brown with peanut butter. <laughs> imperial brown sounds like when the king takes a shit. <laughs> mm, it's an imperial brown, your highness. <laughs> and when you when you poop into a French guy, it's a French toast stuffed imperial brown. Uh, that's a dirty Pierre. Everyone knows that. That tastes like the most peanut butter I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so, wow! So if you just breathe on the wrong person, you can kill them with <laughs> their they're allergic. Yeah, this you, have, this, you could the kill, equivalent if of they dragon allergies, breath. They would not be able to do it, man. It's holy. This is like more peanut buttery than some of those fucking stouts. It's a brown ale, which is this is a stout adjacent. Yeah, it's a slightly is, lighter. If it's an imperial brown, it's, like, it's like a lighter color. Out can of, it's like if I put uh, a, a jar of Skippy into a bigger bucket of water and just diluted it into like peanut butter water, and I drank it. It would taste like this. But it's also it's not bad. It just it's so much fucking peanut butter. It's hard to tell what the French toast aspect is. It could be the sugar. It's kind of hard. Like notes of soggy bread. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get that. Mm, I think it's a. I think it's a challah. I don't. Know. It's good French toast. It's it's a good beer. It is very uh, peanut buttery. Uh, so yeah, no jam. Maybe this is the anti Drapton jam. This is the companion piece. You mix them together with the other one, maybe. Well, before we kick out the jams, we should jam in a plug pump for our up Patreon the jam and pump up the jams. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and become a patron and get all sorts of cool shit like early access to episodes, vote in our monthly book poll, which selected this in a free and fair election this time. Join us for live episodes, get merch stuff mailed to you, get discounts on merch if you want to buy more because we aren't generous enough with you. Have your recommendations always read in a timely-ish fashion and even more. Within five years. Within five years. It is, that is, we have been consistent about that. Though, Before they go out of print. <laughs> <laughs> we should thank those fine people, shouldn't we? We should. And uh, I am the one who has to read all the things that they make us say this month. So, thank you to Black Rabbit of Inlay, Avery, Humid Oyster, JC Duguid Letters, Kevin, Linda, DK Law, Nathaniel, Thick Richard III, Frederick, Sean, Nora, Beatrice, Maurice, Nin, Courtney, insert funny name here, Sophia, David, Derek, Carol, Sarah Jane, Joseph, Jeff, Yolanda, Jennifer, oh God, to make the game more competitive, whoever loses the Puppy Bowl this year has to sleep with Nate. Didn't we do, I feel like there's a repeat, are they running out of dog fucking ideas? No, I think these are new. These are new, yeah. The uh, Um, puppies is... (laughs) That's what they call them, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> <They're new. laughs> uh, Nate and I bonded over our mutual love of ska. 
Nate says it reminds him of the noises he gets dogs to make. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need a toe lick. That's what you say to the dogs when you play fetch, just pick it up, pick it up now. (laughs) Oh my God, what is this one supposed to say? Nate's a canine fucker. Got it, okay, yeah. Uh, I, Jimmy, always pee sitting down. I seen him. (laughs) Man, you know... I'm tired of missing. Grace, that's hundred percent of the pisses you don't take. Oh my god, shy guy at the bukkake party. There's a story about that that I'll tell off off recording. <laughs> Nate's been reading a lots of Dr. Seuss lately. I even heard him last night praising one. He kept screaming, "Go dog, go till the morn." <laughs> <laughs> That one does end with a dog party. <laughs> Zaphod, Beeblebrox, Joe P, Crab, Daniel, Hayden, Emotional Support Burrito, and CL. Thank you, friends. Thank you and, all. And Nate, especially. Thanks, you. Thanks, most of you. But say in dog, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> woof, woof. Bow, wow. But if you don't want to do that, you can also help the podcast out by just leaving us a review. We've been getting hammered with bad reviews on Spotify. It really hurts my confidence. <laughs> they were down to a f- okay, 4.3 on Spotify. I don't even look. Must be those Colleen Hoover fans. Um, but we didn't hate the book. We were nice to it. But if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple, whatever the hell they're calling Apple Podcasts. It's because we were mean to Prince it's Harry. It's 100%. It's, it's the, the Prince Harry fans who also listen Fucking to our podcast. <laughs> He's a twat. I take nothing back. Uh, you could head, you could help us out that way, or just go tell someone to listen to the podcast. And if they're like, "Oh, that one of the bloviating boy men," you can kick that person right in the fucking taint and get them out of your life. And just when you do it, though, just like gooned, and you kick them right in the dick, and then it, they can't it, they can't be mad at you because it's a literary reference. Um, so back to this book. I need to find a way to drink this beer because I drink most of it already. Um, Lou has money. He does, All people yeah. have money. It's like they're all sorts of uh, green getting tossed around. It's like they're in a green city. Uh, we've had this beer many times, I think. Other oh, half green city. It's a double IPA, and it's fucking delicious. And they sell it at this bodega by my job now, and it's like, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> and the guy's like, okay, and I was like, it doesn't matter. Uh, no bag. <laughs> so <laughs> back to the book. The next section is they go to Africa. Like in the past, this time for Africa, and they go there. And I, what are the, was that? The Waka Waka song. Remember that Shakira song? That like oh yeah, World Waka Cup. Waka. This time for Africa. They're fucking shitty Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what she sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go to Africa in the even earlier seventies, and it's Lou and his uh, his, his like brood of one children. of his child brides. And a new girl, uh, a grad student, who is apparently really, really hot. And she's just lugging books around Africa because she's learning. I don't know what she was doing. She's an anthropologist. And, yeah, and part of the one of this particular chapter is written in a... Well, okay. Some of the chapters are written in a more experimental way or more like not just like a sort of regular narrative. And this is the one where Mindy is the, the girlfriend is viewing this as like an anthrop- anthropology... 
expedition, I guess, because that's what she's studying. She's just making kinship charts the entire time. And talking that most of that seems to be most of it. And talking about the Kung, <laughs> but you have to say the exclamation point first somehow. You're like <gasps> Kung, and you Bushman. That's all. So exciting. That's all I remember from anthropology <laughs> they're so, class. They're so exciting. The exclamation point comes before it's, the word. It's a pre- yes, premature exclamation, which is something I've never suffered from. And so, <laughs> so that, yeah, and and so and then it's mostly about, um, but it's actually mostly about his kids, his kids who are like. They're like 10 and 12, something like that. Yeah, preteens. And they're like, you know, kind of reminiscing. And then later, it either a later chapter, no, it sort of um, alludes to the fact that, you know, when they're older and grown up, the the younger one named Rolf, Rolf, uh, because that's the way it's spelled, um, kills himself when he's 28. And so this cha- part of the, part of it is like this oldest, like the older sister looking back. Oh yeah. That time we went to Africa. That was fun. But you know, we saw a dude get mauled. Yeah. They're on a safari and some dude is like, so wants to get good pictures with the lions that he literally jumps out to where the lions have are like eating, you know, a zebra and he gets mauled. Doesn't die though. He gets like 32 stitches in the face though. Pretty brutal. I have That's to guess good. they probably had to shoot that line. They do. They shoot I it. I don't think it's said. They that. do. They, they shoot, shoot it immediately. And they shoot it because like, some guy had a rifle out automatically. It was the guy who was basically the Crocodile Dundee tour guide. And this book features a lot of like omniscient narrator kind of stuff, like out of like a Stand by Me. <laughs> you know, so like it's like <laughs> just twenty eight years later, that guy we had killed in some sort of bush war, and his son would inherit his knife. And then he would study architecture at Columbia or a fucking whole bunch and of shit. And go on to invent chicken nuggets. He, he went on to invent some sort of um, AI thing. And you're like, does this matter? No, no, it doesn't. Um, but that happened for a lot of characters. And like, and Rolf, when just, you know, he was 28, would shoot himself in the head. It would make his sister really sad. And she would secretly name her son Rolf. And you're like, oh, all right. No, she wanted to. But she, she called him Rolf only in her own head. <laughs> In her mind, yeah. Which just goes to show you, bitches be crazy. There's no way you could know. Nate? No? You don't think so? Okay, so the next Nate, chapter... remember Mary Todd Lincoln? She was fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> Oh, she was fucking crazy. <laughs> she was. Like, Man, the stories I could tell... Like, so. Florence Nightingale, <laughs> enough with... Is she the lady with the lamp, lantern or whatever? <laughs> no? I have no idea. Never mind. Nate knows. Smell these dusty fingers. Oh, no, was it... <laughs> Wasn't she the nurse in the Crimean War? I fucking know. I, I, yeah, I don't she know. She's some sort of war nurse. I don't know. I think that's who she was. She's British. <laughs> I know she's a nurse thing. Fucking. I don't really. Did she like start the Red Cross or something? I thought that's what she did. That might be it. Sounds, the lady like with it. the lamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Google. Man, she died in 1910. That was just yesterday for some of us. All right, sorry, but back to the book, Nate. <laughs> so, okay, the next chapter. Um... It's called You, and this is where 30 years later, Rhea and Jocelyn go visit Lou as he's dying. And oh, they're like, wow, like stroke. that was sad. And they're like, where, where's Rolf? And it's like, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Bad news. Oh, wait, I knew that. Yeah, and that's pretty much all of that story. Was there anything else? They, he keeps asking them for one last three-way. <laughs> he would. kind of does. Yeah, it does. And then, okay, next chapter, 
This one is about Scotty. This so uh, Scotty was one of Benny's three, uh, Benny's uh, bandmates back in the seventies, back in high school, and he plays slide guitar. Back when guitar was guitar, <laughs> and men played it with slides. And this is definitely the you know where Benny's like. Uh, music needs to be real and not this digitally overproduced. Oh yeah, there's a couple. crap. Which he talks about in his earlier chapter. He's like, oh, this isn't real. It's not on. T- yeah. It's not on tape. He says that he eats yeah. gold, and, and it yeah. takes you know, and that chapter <laughs> takes place. That 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 chapter takes place in like the mid sort of two thousandsies. And you know, I've got bad news for Benny. But music gets way more electronic and overproduced and uh, auto tuned. Way, way worse. Yeah, there's like no, nothing real anymore. Did you guys watch the Grammy? Like, there's like I watched. I was like, there's no, no. anything. <laughs> it's like, I did not watch it. His oof. There, there's there. There was a there was a the in memoriam thing, and one of the dudes from Migos sang a song, and it was a hundred percent in like the auto tune voice. I know they fake that shit at war shows. It's all mimed. Like, you mean like the T Pain auto tune yeah, voice? Yeah. Oh. His entire song was that. <laughs> and they did it live? Well, he, he, he pretended. He mimed it live. Yeah. And he's like, that's okay. This is what... So when the artists on the Grammys can't sing, can't like actually anyway, that's, play that's, that's his thing. Or sing. That, that's, yeah, that's, well, okay. that's his thing. Like That's how he sings apparently, and maybe most, if not all, of the time. And people are like, yeah, I want to listen to that. I was like, that, they might as well just... That's you know, listen to chat GPT lyrics. <laughs> like it's it's just, apparently T Pain can actually sing just fine, but it was just like a cool voice, a cool like effect that he became famous for. Yeah, I've heard him. He's he's not bad. He's just, you know, it's whether I, I, anyone I feel, else who uses auto tune can sing. Uh it's a different question. Everybody uses auto tune. Oh Pink, yeah. Pink doesn't. Pink? Pink does not. Oh, good for her. <laughs> but does she do any particularly like she's acrobatic vocal stuff? They, they don't yeah, touch a, it up a, a little. Like they fix everything. Like they fix no, the drummers. No, she, everything gets quantized, like, and it's like her thing. She does not use it at all. all right. Respect pink. <laughs> you named yourself after. I mean, the it's even. Of a I mean, it's very common for to use auto tune or that is real time vocal intonation. In live performances. It's very Do you ever calm. see the funny so, videos where they fuck it up and it's like set to the wrong key or something? The wrong, yeah. It's awesome. Like there was a Clapton one making the rounds at some point where it's set like a fucking like minor third off. So it's just like, Lalo. like everything is fucking wrong. <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, there was that one I saw. your son like, sings. Oh, man. Like uh, Van Halen <laughs> doing jump, but he's playing in the wrong key from everybody else or something. I forgot what it was. He was a fucking mess of a alcohol and uh, user guy. <laughs> yeah, it's more like Hop at the end of his career there. <laughs> he also had like half his tongue cut off, didn't he? From uh, from uh, what he had, I think he had part of his tongue cut out for, from oral cancer. Van Halen. Yeah, because I remember making a lot of insensitive jokes about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I remember things. Like, I'm shocked. It's like singing Van Halen songs, but like you don't have a tongue. Just <laughs> like Jamie's quiet, and you're like, oh no, that's not right. But I did it. I've grown since then. I guess he didn't really need his tongue. 
No, Hendrix was the guy who played the guitar with his tongue. Uh, so uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's so mad at chapter. music. The industry is not the way it used to be, which I think people have been saying since they invented the music industry. Yeah, since what's this classical shit? It's seven. Yeah, like, it's all about baroque. There, there. You could probably go back and find like Fats Waller. I mean, like, God damn it, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Tin Pan Alley used to mean something. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, Scotty, he's been like working as a janitor for decades and he happens to find out that his old friend Benny is a like record producer. And so he shows up not with his guitar in a demo, but with a fish. And then he waits with a fish he caught in the East River and he like shows up and his assistant Sasha is there, but she's not an important part of the story. And he's like, hey, I brought you this fish. And he's like, and Benny is like, you know, I'm an important record producer now. You can go away. And he forgets his fish. And that's most of it. <laughs> it's like, wow, I guess. And, and and that's like, yeah, that's his thing. Benny's a bit of an asshole, but, but Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very topical Euro trip reference. <laughs> Very topical. Yes, I've seen that movie. Okay, wow. in the next chapter. <laughs> wow. Always a, surprising. Uh, we should, listeners, we should make a list of the movies Nate has seen, and then we should bet on how long that list is. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is, it, is it double digits? What, what's the overall? How many ones of movies has Nate seen? <laughs> I've seen plenty of movies. I remember the... There are just a lot of dumb ones I've never seen. We've mentioned, like, we're real movies. You're like... Gone, True. Yeah. There are plenty of real movies I haven't Citizen seen also. Citizen who? Uh, Star Wars? <laughs> All right. Okay, so the next chapter is about Benny's wife, uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, but they're not divorced quite yet. So she has a job where she's a she. They met. She's a publicist for like one last old aging rocker named after chocolate who, milk, who is used to be Bosco. Like, yeah, Bosco used to be like, you know, wild on stage and jump around with his guitar all the time. And it was really huge. But now he's old and fat and alcoholic. And so she has to go. Actually, for the beginning of the chapter is about moving to Westchester and trying to become friends with all the, all the rich white people who live there. Uh, getting into the country club. And then Benny is like, you know, everyone looks at me funny. And it's not because he's Hispanic. It's because they don't know he's Hispanic. This takes place just a little bit after 9-11, and everybody thinks he might be a Muslim terrorist. I think this is the second 9-11 reference of the book that I can remember. There's multiple 9-11s. I I was actually thinking as you read it, it, when was the last book that came out where they're like, all right, we need to mention 9-11? You know, like... Like if a book, when was it necessary? Like, you know, yeah. like there were books that came out in 2002 that took place in the modern day in New York. You kind of had to address that somehow. Like The Time Traveler's Wife. You had a Time Traveler book from like 2004. You could not mention 9-11 yet. This book's like 2010, 2011 or something like that. I mean, it's, it it's does close. both. It's close. It does both take place in New York and take place in the 2000s. So it's kind of like, well, I guess people would think about that. Like, if a book came out today that takes place in New York, you wouldn't need to have the obligatory 9-11 passage. No. So when was that line? I would love to find but out when that was. Took, but well, what if the book came out today, 17, you said? but <laughs> was set in New York in 2002? 
Do you think it would have a 9-11 reference in it? Yes, it probably would. Well, because in 2002, the fucking Ground Zero was still smoking. <laughs> like, it was... Like, so it would that have make, one. That makes this, sense. And, and some of the chapters in here take place right around that time. That's true. All right. And she lives in... Uh, I don't know if she lived there then, but I think she lives in Brooklyn. So uh, I don't know where... I looked it up on her Wikipedia. She lives in Clinton Hill. I don't know where that is in Brooklyn, but... Oh. Probably a ritzy area. I think I know. Uh, I've heard of it. Don't know where it is. It's George Clinton Hill. It's just fucking mm, weird. Funk Adelic. It's just Bootsy Collins is the mayor. <laughs> it's where Parliament meets. Okay, so uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, so Stephanie is is, is um, Benny's wife and is talking about just living, moving to Westchester, but not, but they're not white and they're not Republicans, and it's like, wow, this is weird. And then she visits Bosco, the aging rock and roller, who's like. The one who says, time is a goon, but she brings her brother with her because he's going to have a short story very soon. Her, but her brother just got out of prison, but was a writer. And you're going to learn what he was in prison for it's coming up. But, and, and it's like, oh, and the aging rocker is like, I'm, I want you to, I'm going on one last tour. It's going to be my suicide tour. And the brother is like, yeah, great idea, man. It's like, uh, no, no, it's not. And then the next, and then, okay, the next chapter, which is about um, Dolly, the publicist in the general, and how she brings the, like, slightly older starlet to meet the, like, you know, genocidal, like, African dictator. (laughs) The Idi Amin character. (laughs) Yeah. And this seemed to have absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the book. I mean, yes, there was a slight connection in like one sentence at the end of the previous short story, but it was like, yeah, it was fine. Uh, anyways, but this was, it was also pretty unique. So Dolly, she has, she used to be a publicist, but she ruined her career when she tried to host a party with these fancy things in the ceiling that would like lights that were projecting through like translucent plastic, but the plastic was holding up like hot oil and then it melted and it burned plas- everyone at the, the party. The plastic itself melted. All yeah, yeah. The plastic day. melted and then all the like rich and famous people that were there, uh, like at the party got, you know, horribly burned and then her, her career was over. She has just one last client and it is a genocidal dictator somewhere in Africa when it's basically Idi Amin. And the general is like, or general's dude is like, I, I'm I'm not happy. I need some. I need you know. I need something. I need my image to be better. And she goes, I know. I have one idea. I know this washed up Hollywood actress. I'm gonna bring her down to where you are. That never says where, but you know, is Congo. And <laughs> you're gonna bring her down to where you are. And wait, was that Idi Amin? Was he Congo or he was uh, Uganda? Uganda. He was the yeah, last king of well, Scotland, know. I believe. Uh, yeah, or Scotland. Was it Africa? I, I can't. I, guess keep, I, don't I can't. Uh, you know, no, it's one hundred percent Africa. Always, but it was, I was picturing Africa. But there's, it didn't there's, some, there's something say. about like he. I got a Qaddafi vibe. He claimed to be the oh in the book. Yeah, yeah. Did he have a whole retinue of like statuesque women wearing berets that followed him around? That's that's very yes, he did. That's yeah. Qaddafi. So it didn't sound like the desert. It sounded like the jungle. So that's mm. why it's probably not Qaddafi. So he brings the the starlet named Kitty 
down to Africa to meet the general. And she's just there just supposedly just to do like a photo shoot, just like, and, and not even like a real, not like a publicity photo shoot, but just like, Hey, you want to be seen in public with this famous actress and make it look like you're a couple. And because she's a good actress, she can pull it off. And then you had that will rehabilitate your image. And that's what it was. But then they like take the pictures and it's like, Oh, this is so good. And then Kitty starts saying like, you know, and how many people did you murder today? And then they like lock her up and take her away. They take her away and lock her up. But she manages to, uh, Go back to New York when she brought her daughter along with this, which is like also crazy. Questionable pairing new decision is bring your daughter to the dictator land. Yeah. Bring your daughter to work day (laughs) when you have to go meet African homicidal African dictators. At the killing fields. That was Asia, Jimmy. It was Cambodia, dude. Oh my God, you racist. (laughs) I mean, I expect it from a man of Nate's age, but it's different, Jimmy. Uh, anyway, so that kind of like helps her career a bit. No, she quits and make and starts up. Was it a florist shop? No, cheese shop. Cheese shop. There you go. I was confused with that other book we she read. She did a Gouda job. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, you want you want to do it? You want to do one? <laughs> we can keep she it. Can't brief. bear to be in the dictator game anymore. <laughs> that dictator was a real. What would you call him, Nate? Would you, would you say he was a nice guy? He's not a nice guy. See a month. <laughs> oh no! Police stuff. Okay, um, he's just a Reggiano kind of guy. <laughs> he's just like a real man's man, Chigo. <laughs> I think Nate's getting fed up of these. <laughs> Pecorino. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, why don't one of you guys talk about the next one? <laughs> the next one is the 40-minute lunch with Kitty. This is the one that's about Is that a dish you can get at a Chinese assist. restaurant? That sounds like the weirdest name or 40-minute lunch with Kitty. Ew. I like that's that. A YouTube, it's a YouTube series about um, how to cook easy lunches on a budget. I think it's one of those videos that's like a snuff film that gets passed around. Yeah, that too. Where it's like a child um, hitting turtles to death with a hammer or something like that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Have you seen 40 Minutes Lunch with Kitty? <laughs> and, just, and then he eats the shell yeah. piece by piece without chewing. <laughs> so this one's about uh, the previously mentioned brother of the publicist, the uh, writer. He's like a magazine writer. He does uh, uh, you know, interviews with famous people, and, you know, really gets inside their heads, which is mostly bullshit. And he knows it's bullshit, and she knows it's bullshit. And they've got 40 minutes to have an interview. And then, you know, he convinces her to go on a walk afterwards. And then he attempts to rape her yeah. out of almost nowhere. And uh, she stabs him in the That's leg. That's the way it gets him. in their head. <laughs> yeah. Nick, what? You're like, okay, well, this is... This is not the in-depth interview we were talking about. Yeah. And that's why he was in jail. Did it matter? Also, she had a horse named Nixon, and she's like, and he's like, oh, you know, like the president, and he's like, and she's like, who? (laughs) She says, I just like the way it sounds. Yeah, but she's also like, and she looked at me with a puzzled look on her face, and was like, I just like the way it sounds. She's also 19 at the time of this interview. This is uh, Mm -hmm. perhaps... 10, 15 years before she um, is used to seduce a general dictator. So, And yes, this is what he is writing while he's in jail. 
like his confessional type thing. His Lolita. Oh, yes. She's way too old for Lolita. Yes. 19. God. That's like yeah. A, a grand nymphette. That's uh, <laughs> work. And then I lost track of what comes next. I'm trying to find it on my phone. Next is uh, oh, oh. Robin Drew, the drug chapter, where two guys that People you don't die. care about party, and one of them drowns, and you're like, who? It was... Uh, it was one, Sasha's boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she's all fucked up for many, many reasons. Like that's That gets yes. revealed more. But... And then they go even further back into Sasha's life when she's still running about Europe after she left her family. And her weird uncle just goes to f- see her. But it, really, he's just fleecing his family for money he's, so he can just go doing visit, a tour. Yeah, visit Italy and like <laughs> look at art. And he happens upon her by accident. <laughs> well, he's, the exchange rate is really not being good to your dad. <laughs> yeah. And then comes the most famous chapter of the PowerPoint presentation, which is a PowerPoint made by Sasha, Sasha's daughter, yeah, Sasha is about married to her Drew? Aut- Huh? Drew, Sasha and Drew. Drew, yeah. yeah. Drew is the guy who didn't drown. Right. Like, I guess that's why this matters, but it still doesn't. And then, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a PowerPoint presentation about great rock and roll pauses. Yeah. <laughs> Allison's brother, Lincoln, is autistic, and his latest obsession is pauses that happen in rock and roll songs and why they are interesting and everything about them. It and is. the whole chapter is a PowerPoint presentation, except it's basically just written almost like a poem with the little shitty speech bubble things and shapes around words like you would see in PowerPoint. She just went through every template in PowerPoint, and yeah. ah, this will work. Though he's Lincoln, and what do they call him for short? Nebraska. Yep. Uh <laughs> Yep, and he's like, who's your daddy? I'm not sure if it's the same state. Uh, But it's um, Link, and there is one PowerPoint slide where it's the fucking Triforce from from Zelda. It's like, holy shit, that can't be right. I'm not even sure. I mean, part of the things are like, I don't know how to read these. What order am I supposed to read these bubbles in? doesn't matter. Uh, I think the best way is to not read them, honestly, but (laughs) read them by reading a different book. But you know, it's like oh, it talks about and it, and it talks about the great the great pauses, and I like the one he gets kind of hung up on the one in Young Americans by David Bowie. Now <laughs> he, he doesn't go through with it. He doesn't really stick it. You know, David Bowie chickened out and stick the landing. But the, but I the the ones in uh, those other like, all three of those songs like oh, yeah, those are really iconic kind of pauses that I know really well, like uh, Bernadette by the Four Tops, the fake ending, and then um, that song's that song's banging. I think that's the one where, oh no, I think it's a different, thing, a different, different James Jamerson song, but that has a great bass line, and uh, then Foxy Lady, there's a pause, sort of, but you just hear heavy breathing from Jimi Hendrix, which you also hear from us when the editing isn't too clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really drunk and leaning on the microphone. Does this matter? So every episode? Uh, well, sometimes <laughs> I, I'm so drunk, I'm not even by the microphone anymore, so I don't get her picked up. And then that's that chapter. And then there's one last one chapter. One for the road. And it takes place in the future, it, where everybody's got a little flying car thing in their hand that they can download music with by pointing at shit. And that's the extent of the future. 
And also, and Scotty's, Scotty's gonna finally going to be a musician, yeah, or a performer. Re, so his if re- this book debut. came out, if this book came out in 2010, then this 15 years in the future section is 2025. So only two years from now. Yeah, it's called Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Which was a thing. Yeah, in 2010. it worked. Yeah, was it really? Fucking. Uh, yeah, I think 2010. So. It was, maybe. 2010, maybe yeah. In 2010, the only thing I knew about Shazam was that show. Shazam! And you're like, you know, I don't think it was. I think it was in the mid 2000s because I got I got my first like iPhone in like 2011 or 12. Yeah, it's about when I don't think Shazam. Well, they were out before that. I know, but I don't think Shazam existed yet. I I remember Nate when I first got an iPhone and uh, you already had one. I was like, what am I supposed to? Like, it was my first smartphone, and you're like, what? Naturally, I asked the oldest person I knew, what should I do with this <laughs> device? You know, here are cool apps, and Shazam was definitely no, you're right. one of them. You are fucking right. Shazam became available as an app in 2006, exclusively on the Amped mobile cellular device. Oh, Jesus Christ. And iPhone was 2008. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I remember that being one so of wait, the... So wait, why were you holding out on me, It came out before she wrote this book. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It already existed. Even though she made it 15 years in the future, and it's like science fiction that Shazam can do that. But also, everyone uh, also in the future texts like uh, 12-year-olds do, and that's how people just talk to one another. That's accurate. That was true by like 2016. And then he's going to have a big final show, and it's like, and the people are like, wow, people can still play music? And you're like, oh, wow. There's a, you know... But the show is Holy for shit. Scotty because yeah. Scotty has been secretly writing all these. He's been, you know, unknown writing all these slide guitar songs for <laughs> decades, and the world and is finally ready for slide it's like, guitar. But it's like real music that's being written, and it's in this sort of like come full circle where Benny is actually like he's producing his friend from high school who's playing like real music, and then that's kind of the conclusion of the book. Yeah. Hmm. Even though they're old now, and they're like, "What the fuck are we doing?" So, what was the what was the point of this book? Point of the book? Well, I mean, it's something like just that, you know. As you get older, well, well getting old sucks, but also like your life is definitely not going to work out the way you think it is when you're from when you're young, I guess, because everyone has. It's just regret. I get. I want to say regret is kind of the main theme of the book yeah i mean either they're young time they're when they were young it didn't go so well that wasn't great but then when they're older wow it really doesn't go so great nobody's even really happy when they're older for the most part even when they're successful on on paper Mm -hmm. well the successful one is the only one is benny and he at this point at the end has lost everything basically and no one considers him relevant anymore so is the book like, is the book using the music, like the story of recorded professional music, to tell that story about regret and, you know, missed ex- you know, expectations being disappointing or whatever? Or is it supposed to, like, tell us something about music? Is, is that a, could she have done this book and it, it could have very well been about, like, the newspaper business or, you know, I some other I think music thing? is a way that they can easily show... Change in time and people's stuff, people's expectations and likes over time that everyone can, everyone could 
figure out. Like if it was newspaper business, people wouldn't really get that. Oh, well, this is when they changed to Helvetica. You know what that chaos led to, you know. <laughs> but with music, you'd be like, I you, people understand the different eras of music and what people were into and what it's like now so and all that. It's just an easy way to show that time difference. Okay? And rock and roll and and pop music is also it's fo- focused on young people. I mean, it's really like marketed for young people and. This is, and the book is about, well, what happens to, What happens when rock and rollers get older? It's specifically about I guess. punk, which is, you know, never ages well. No. Especially, especially early punk, right? Like late 70s punk, which is what they were all into. Or performed. The guy from television just died, like, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Couldn't name one song by television. Nope, I couldn't either. It was, it's, like, when I think of, of that, that era of punk... Like the ones that were, it was either like it was really simple, and like very like dumb. Often, <laughs> just like what their ideas were. It was just like, let's be object objectionable. Let us be upsetting, and like any like political ideas they had were like pretty half baked. It was just like I want to be against whatever the status quo is, and like that's what teenagers like. Teenagers just like being con- contrary to things, contrarians. And then you get older and you realize, like, that's fucking not the way to go through the world. That's not success. That's not going to work. <laughs> and so it doesn't really age well. So when you go back, and, and also a lot of that early punk stuff was recorded with like a fucking garbage can lid and a toaster. Like the, vo- like the audio recording quality is such trash that only the most diehard fan, like only the most diehard fans want to listen to the first Black Flag record. <laughs> no one wants to listen to that. It could also be said that the book is about things weren't really that great back then, but the stuff you were into does seem that way. Because, you know, those like the flaming dildos who were, by all accounts, even in this book, a nothing band that went nowhere. And they weren't good. <laughs> no, they weren't good. Their song was called like what where the fuck are we or something like that was the, one of their yeah. songs. It was a it was a what the it fuck? was a fucking teenage garage band and bum fuck nowhere. And they played one show. And what does a slide guitar play in a punk band? Well, in the practice... Like, what do they play? They, the rehearsal thing they were fucking doing, they had like a tuba for a second and like a banjo. Yeah, they were just trying anything. They had a guy who played violin who during the concert, he like dropped it. And, and then people started throwing shit at them. But yeah. Scotty was an important person in the band. He was like... He was know, the front man. He wasn't just like... One dude who like showed up for one day, but what? But literally, I'm wondering what a slide guitar player would play in a punk band. Like, what physically? What 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 notes would he try to make? I think I think you you just tune to a open tuning and you play the power chords with a slide. (laughs) Yeah, and you just slide between. Yeah, you you gliss one four one four one four, and that's just folk punk is a genre that also exists. It's and it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of it is, yeah. Some of it's not bad, but a lot of it is. It's terrible. I mean, but a lot of every genre is terrible. Only the, the the good stuff is, you know, it's the stuff that makes it. And most stuff doesn't. Yeah, that sounds about right. Much like people in this book. Well, that's depressing. But I think we all kind of understood that. It's just another way of telling that. Harsh in some ways, truth. it is a nostalgia. In some ways, it's a everything new sucks and everything that I thought was cool when I was a kid still is cool. Everybody else doesn't fucking get it. You had to be there, man. Yeah. You had to be at this one 
punk show where a guy got blown by a child while another child screamed on stage and got a beer can thrown at him. I mean, who hasn't had that experience? But I remember going to the Red Zone and seeing <laughs> play in high school. <laughs> For a, what was that? That was in, uh, was that Glendale? The Geriatrics. The Geriatrics, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're one show. <laughs> <laughs> so about Power that PowerPoint point. chapter. <laughs> what do you guys say? I have, I so, Mike, point. you uh, yeah. you didn't like it. You didn't appreciate it. Why is that? Because it's a fucking gimmick. <laughs> it is... I think, I mean, I think even in 2010, the idea of a book that is a bunch of interconnected short stories. A Pulitzer Prize winning book. Sure. But like the, the idea of a book that's a bunch of connected short stories and like it shifts time and it has different perspectives and they're not always told in the same kind of person. Uh, you know, they go from first person to second to third and et cetera. That wasn't new in 2010. That's been around you know, people have done that kind of thing before. It's a very, like, 90s kind of thing. And how how do you experiment a little more? And, and this is this is the gamble with experimental format. You could get something that's, like, really unique and interesting, like uh, Lincoln and the Bardo accomplished. Or you get something that's a total fucking gimmick. And that PowerPoint chapter was just like, come on, this is dumb. This is this. It felt so unnecessary because Jennifer Egan can fucking write. Like there were a lot of really great passages in the book. I just felt like this is a lame attempt to be creative here. I did not like it at I th- all. I think it would have been better if it was an actual PowerPoint presentation and not a story told in the format of a PowerPoint presentation. Because the way it's written, it's that? just a fucking. It's like it's like the story. It's like it's like written like a regular story. You just if put you, the text in the shape of a PowerPoint thing. Mm. It's not if an you, actual presentation anyone would give. No, well, because it, it, either you're, when, there are two types of PowerPoint presentations. There's a type that everybody gives when they do a group project in middle school, where you just read the slides to the class. <laughs> like there's, yes, or if you know what you're doing, your PowerPoint has like key phrases and terms and like bullets that you riff on as you speak about it. And like those are the two types of PowerPoint presentations I've ever made or seen. Either either one of those would... Please include an image with (laughs) (laughs) a shape or a a zing or something. I don't know. But either one of those would have been, I think, more interesting than just like lines of dialogue but written in different circles on around a square like it's just you read if you just if she took the text and put it on the thing it would have read basically the same so if it was actually a powerpoint about pauses in rock and roll music like a real one that you would give at a presentation even though that would be terrible even if they have like previously mentioned like he had this autistic son and and then you see it's by this kid it's not even by the kid it's by the sister in this one yeah. Um, so if it was like a, a presentation by the kid, you're like, oh, I remember because each time they went to a new story, I had to remember like who the fuck was this last person. I have to struggle to, to figure it out. I think that would have been more interesting. I mean, I, I'm not against the 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 concept. I just thought that if you're going to do it, do it. But that's you know, this is me. <laughs> so I'm actually going to defend it a little bit. 
course you would. I think it wasn't great, but it didn't ruin the whole book the way Mike thinks it does. I don't think it ruined the whole book. I just think, well, as I said at the start of this, like that's what this book is known for, really. That's the book. It, with is, the, it is the thing everyone brings up when you read about it. It's like, oh, it's mm-hmm. the book with a PowerPoint presentation, yeah. which is really, it's now, a very small just, part of the book. It is. And if you had just said, this is an experimental uh, literary fiction book that includes a PowerPoint, that includes a PowerPoint as one chapter, you'd go, okay, fine. But it's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel of 2011, and it has a PowerPoint that's like not that great. It's like, okay, so I, I didn't like that chapter, but it didn't ruin the whole book uh, because. A lot of the chapters are, uh, not all of them, but some of the chapters are written in a different way. Like one is written in second person and some are, some are more like, uh, it was clearly just meant to be an experimental book. And this is just one experimental chapter, an experimental book. It was like, yeah, okay, sure, fine. Didn't ruin it. Yeah, That's I thought it, w- it wasn't by any means the worst part of the book. I thought I thought the last chapter was the worst part easily. Yeah, that was that was dumb. The future chapter. Yeah, science fiction isn't her thing. Well, Neil, I think Neil that's, that's where the book starts. That's where the book starts. Uh, you know, coming into its own mouth a little bit for me. And I, I prefer to be the one doing that. But as Neil uh, Neil Gaiman <laughs> said, the uh, nothing ages faster than the future, right? <laughs> it wasn't. It really wasn't like the the fact that oh, they use little things to download stuff. I didn't care about that. I just thought the whole. I thought the whole concept was kind of dumb. And it it got a little too circle jerky, like, and then they made real music again. Ugh. I was like, oh, come on, fuck off, right? Because because I mean, I am a musician. I do not feel like most of people in the game necessarily believe that if you can't play a guitar, you're not a real musician. Which is really what this book kind of got to at the point. And I know there are some people that feel that way, but for the, let like, the record state, Jimmy has a bass guitarist. Yes, <laughs> I can't play a real guitar. No, it's too hurt. It hurts my little strings from my fingers. But it was like, yeah, this guy came out and he's sixty and he's got face cancer and he's fat and he can play a slide guitar and forty-seven thousand twelve-year-olds love it. Like, yeah, that's bullshit. Honestly, no, they fucking don't because I wouldn't like it either. I wouldn't like that shit now, and I play guitar. And I'm an old yeah, man. It's just like you know. I understand that music changes and people that used to like, I like, but I do, I'm a, I like punk rock. That's, that's that's what I'm into. But I don't think that anything written after 1978 is trash because it's dumb to think that. It's extraordinarily limiting. And but, it's kind of snobby. But that's what a lot of teens who are into punk are like. <laughs> yeah, but then they grow up. <laughs> but there is, and we've mentioned this before, the, uh, the pendulet blowjob theory, right? So, like anything you yes. liked when you were a teenager, you always like. You never grow out of it. Even if, even if you you don't like, there are just certain things that you like from high the school. Between not school. growing out of something and never liking anything different ever again. True. The the music you were into in your formative years sticks with you. Yeah, it has stuck with me. But just then I was like, well, I'm not going to like anything after that is how well, the people in this book were like. But, but that stuff's like, like it's like a weird, like frozen, like preserved in amber. Some of these songs and bands like, like I, I listened to the other day, uh, Bowling for Soup. <laughs> I listened to the, I had it stuck in my head. The, oh yeah. The, I saw them live once. Uh, I also did see them live once. Uh, the girl, all the, bad, good. All, all the bad guys want. It's like, this fucking song is fantastic. 
It is so great. I still don't know what it means when it says she wears a two-way. Uh, and that's, <laughs> don't know what that means. That's what, that's the line. She wears a two-way, but I'm not quite sure what that means. It's what he says. <laughs> but. It's a product of its time. I, I listened to it. I put it on Spotify. I was listening to it on my phone. And then it like went into Bowling for Soup Radio. Right? So I like that song because it came out when I was in high school. I didn't like a single other fucking Bowling for Soup song that I didn't already know. Uh, and it, oh, that you didn't already know. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Like I, if they played like the next song on that. 1985 is still good. It is. It's a little corny, but it is. It's supposed to be corny. They have a couple other songs. They have another song. The that's whole like, genre has an, uh, that whole like pop punk thing is, it's inherently a little corny. But they but it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's bad. No, so I, I like corn. And the band corn, too. I like because I like no, them in middle like, school. I don't like corn at all. <laughs> I like the first four corn albums because I listened to them in middle school. That's so many. Corn it's a lot albums. of corn. It's a lot of corn. <laughs> like uh like in my stool. But the You have an ear for corn. I do. <laughs> I like my music on the cob. So <laughs> I guess my point is Isn't like that their third album? That that that's uh, greatest hits. Uh Greatest hits volume on the cob. <laughs> Metal on the cob. If they don't put out an album called Metal on the Cob, that is disappointing. I think it'd be more disappointing if Corn put out another album. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. They, they should just have all Corn like, Dog. They should just have. That's their their full rap metal album. <laughs> it's D A W G Corn Dog. <laughs> Like I with a K, yeah. The, these, some of these characters do have this like weird arrested development thing where they they can never grow out of it because it was so meaningful to them. There are probably some people that live like that, but it's, I think it's just an exaggerated form of of what we all experience. We, you know, like I, there's like um, another song I really liked in high school, middle school. Remember Godsmack, <laughs> fucking fake Alice in oh, Chains yeah. band. I had that first, the first Gosmack album, and I listened to it all the time. And I listened to it, I was like, I could tell this is objectively not good, but I'll still listen to it. It's like, this is, this is <laughs> shitty. This is shitty. Music. I still like it, though. They have probably like 10 more albums. We'll never listen to another Gosmack album. But it's still, yeah. it's like got this like special spot. It's like, like a seat of honor at the table. And we all have that. And, but these characters, I think it's just exaggerated for some purpose in the book, maybe to show what Nate's talking about. about that your expectations when you're young or how things change or whatever. Or pretending everything was great when you're old. Everybody does that. When you were young. Back in my day, that's all that is. Back in my day, you could see 10 punk bands at the CBGB's for a nickel. Or whatever the fuck you're going to say. And and if a bottle fight didn't break out, you got your nickel back. And then you'd look at this photograph. And you don't have to see (laughs) Nickelback. (laughs) Look at this photograph. I saw it was there. (laughs) I found I, like I, I saw my old videos and pictures. Like I had to fucking bring a digital camera to the first uh, Boston show I went to. And so I, I found these videos of it, and I was like, "Oh, why doesn't the sound work?" And it took me like a minute to realize, like, "Oh, there wasn't a fucking microphone on my camera. There you just is made no a sound." Charlie Chaplin concert movie. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, I mean, it was like you know, seven made, seconds of made, one song. I'll make Nate happy. Gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Gifts. You got it right. Good. So <laughs> Just like those animals, the giraffe. <laughs> um, who should read the book then? How about that? 
So I think Mike didn't really like it, but I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And like I said, the PowerPoint didn't ruin it all. Um, it is it is more experimental than a typical uh, Pulitzer winner. It is definitely weirder than that. But it is a... I would classify it as a collection... As not just a short story collection, but more like a novel told in short stories. Because it does have a plot. You do get a sense of plot progressing, I guess. Though I'm certainly... It's it's an art, not a science. Like, you can obviously argue the other side and, you know, can't prove it. But um, it's fine. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I also I I liked it. I, I thought, you know, if you're into... Okay. If you're not sure you love literary fiction, this would actually be a fairly easy, like, beginner entry point. This would be, like, it's just not that hard to read, but it is still pretty good in a lot of ways. And, but it's also slightly different. I don't know. I mean, besides the PowerPoint chapter, it didn't seem that zany to me. I mean, it's like, oh, they're from different perspectives, which was not... I mean, maybe, maybe it was new then, but I don't think so, but... They were connected, but it didn't feel like like wow, this is really doing something different. Besides the, besides no, the I think PowerPoint. I think over like the hype or the the notoriety of the PowerPoint chapter has grown to eclipse the rest of the book. It's kind of like the movie Swordfish with John Travolta and Hugh Jackman, which. Mm. Which all seen I it. know about that, I've seen it multiple times, and all that movie is to me is the movie with Halle Berry's tits. That's all that matters of that movie. That <laughs> 14 seconds, like that's the best part of the movie. The rest of the movie doesn't need to exist. The PowerPoint chapter is kind of like that. That's all you talk about, you forget about the rest of the book. So I read this book like probably 10 years ago now, and I, I you know, reread it this week. And I forgot almost everything about the book, but I just knew, like, oh, one of these fucking chapters is a PowerPoint. God damn it. That's going to come up soon and piss me off. And then some of the stories, like, oh, yeah, I do remember this chapter a little bit, or I do remember this plot a little bit. But it just, for whatever reason, like, that's the, because it's so weird, that's the part that stands out of the book. But I agree, it's not particularly more experimental and certainly not difficult to read. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not weirder or harder or harder than, much quote unquote literary fiction. Um, I just don't think it's great. I think it's fine. I give it three stars. It's okay. It's just not, I would never be like, you got to go read this book. Oh my God, it's so great. It's just like, yeah, whatever. But the fact that it won the Pulitzer, which is supposed to be like a big fucking deal, and it wasn't that great. Yeah. Was this really the best book written that I'd year? You have to go look at what was nominated. I don't, I don't know, know about that. Well, some years they just don't give one. Uh, I oh, that's true. There've been there's but not too many of those. So this this year, wow, no one got the Pulitzer. That's the, the next David Foster year. Wallace year, twenty twelve. It's because it's because they thought the Mayans said the world was going to end, so they didn't bother reading any of the books, and the world didn't end. They're like, oops, uh, we'll skip it next year, guys. So this is a quote. The it was given. This book was given the Pulitzer for being quote an inventive investigation of growing up and growing old in the digital age, displaying a big-hearted curiosity about cultural change at warp speed. That fucking makes me want to vomit. That sentence. Fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find out what what else was uh, nominated that year, because I, I think by 2011 they were posting the other nominees. 
Okay, so the finalists were two books I've never heard of. The Privileges by Jonathan D. And Znuts. Uh, no, but... Uh, and, uh, the, the Surrender oh, by Chang Ray Lee. Znuts. Um, so I don't know either of those books. <laughs> and they've not, like... That's a problem with a lot of literary fiction awards. Like, for, like, the hot second, everyone talks about those handful of books. And then, like... There's just too much new shit to keep track of it. It's like the Booker. I mean, got the yeah. Booker. There's like a dozen books every year, and then one wins, and the 11, other eleven get just fucking forgotten for the most part. As does the winner, unless you're a big nerd for it, like we are. Yeah. So who should read it? I guess it's fine. It's not going to hurt you to read the book, and it's short. It's a short. It's a fast read. It's like probably three or four hours of reading, which for yeah, like a, right an award-winning work of fiction from the modern era, that's that's a pretty light lift by comparison. I just think it's just like just a little too a little pretentious and I don't know. Would you ever want to read something else by her? Because she has other books. I'd yeah, try something. Yeah, it was, I mean, she it's, it is well written. I I I liked the book. I didn't. Th- I don't understand why I won the Pulitzer, but I guess I never really do. Um, but I have no doubt that she knows what she's doing. Yeah. No, that's fair. But I guess uh, in the meantime. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkeyesbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkeyesbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkeyesbookclub. And if you've listened to this long, why not leave us a review? A fucking good one. Even if, like, just do it. It won't hurt you. Like, we won't make you read our PowerPoint novels. And, uh... Lie to me. <laughs> and, uh, you can follow, you know, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say there. Follow the uh, Patreon. Yeah, do that too. Monies. Monies are nice. And you can join us on Goodreads, where we goon reads. <laughs> we goon read more books. <laughs> we goon drink another beer. Should have been a fucking dumb joke. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we, we goon drink, drink these beer. beer. <laughs> so, you got a pretty mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and check out the Hot Tub Network, a network of independent goon podcasters. And thanks for listening. 